Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Thank you for joining me on today's Home Education Matters. And I am joined by Liam today, who is a home educated teenager. I nearly said child, but you know, you're definitely a teenager now. So Liam is a home educated teen. And we are going to be talking today about the ability that home education gives you to be able to follow your passions and your interests as a child. Because I know I've known Liam for a few years. And I remember the first time I met him, I was amazed by how much knowledge he had on a particular subject, but I'm not going to tell you what it is yet because we'll get to that in a minute. So you have to try to guess while we're chatting what on earth Liam's special knowledge could be. He's like, yeah. uh, what is it? What is it on Mastermind? You have like a kind of specialist subject, right? You have a specialist yeah, subject, don't you? I do. So, but don't tell yeah. us what it is yet because I want our right. listeners to see if they can guess what it is. But first of all, do tell us a little bit, Liam, about yourself and about your home education journey. So I'm 14 years old. Um, I started home educating when I was about eight or nine, so about six, five, six years ago, after I got pulled out of school because for bullying, it was a horrible experience. And for most of the time I was in school, I was always like, I had a passion before I went into school, which obviously I'm not saying yet. <laughs> However, and then one day I came back from school and once said my passion was like babyish and I needed to have a different passion. The second I came out of school, I was like, I can do anything I want now and was able to re-explore what I was actually interested in rather than following like football or sports, which I did. I hate. I don't like them at all. So it's yeah. funny you mention that because I found that quite often when it comes to being in school, if you have a particular interest that everybody else thinks is a valid interest, then it's okay and everyone kind of gets behind it and everyone's like, oh, that's the yeah. boy who's really good at football or that's the girl who's really good at dance or something. <laughs> but It's sexist examples, but actually I have found that it drifts that way in school. It's very true. Whereas perhaps if you have an interest that is um, a bit more niche, I think, yeah, you can experience people who think it's a bit weird. So. I actually don't think your interest is that niche, but I'm going to give our listeners three options of things that they might think your interest is. Okay, let's go for it. Is Liam's interest sharks or is Liam's interest Velcro fastenings or is Liam's interest trains? So what is everyone thinking? I'm gonna like I wish I wish it was live I could take a poll yeah. and things like that but I'm just okay. I'm I'm feeling that our listeners are trying to work out which one it is so okay you can pause the podcast if you want longer to think about it but I yeah. suspect most people have a sense it's going to be sharks I don't blame them I'm super into sharks Liam what is your interest is it sharks is it velcro fastenings my interest is the last one my interest is trades love trains do you know it surprises me that you said that at primary school you got kind of picked on a bit for liking trains because I would have thought that actually everyone's like super into trains like Thomas the tank engine and stuff like that or is that what the issue was that they felt that you should have kind of outgrown that almost yeah that was the initial issue of thinking trains are for like and people automatically compare children and trains 
with like Thomas the Tank Engine I found so always that I always get asked did you like Thomas the Tank Engine when you were younger true I did so I think that's how I got trains bullied out of me almost while I was in school and it, it was horrible but I didn't realize and I could start re-exploring trains because I already knew a lot about trains and it was amazing to finally feel happy with like a passion or an interest that I actually like. So when you were at school, you you felt that you were sort of quite young. I'm guessing you were like five and six and you were like, I really love trains. Then you realised that you were getting a kind of negative reaction from people. So you started hiding your love of trains. And did you did you at any point try to kind of deny it to yourself? Like, actually, no, I don't I don't like trains. Or Did you always secretly go home after school and still love trains? I did try to deny it, that I didn't like trains. I went home one day and just said to my mum, I don't like trains anymore, they're babyish. And then from that point, I just didn't like trains. I I liked them, but I completely blocked it out that I liked them. But the second I was out of school in 2017, 2018, I can't remember which year, I did start re-exploring trains again. I thought, actually... This is like, I don't like football. I don't like rugby. This is what I like. And I'm happy to have almost found this again. I think when you have a true interest, if you kind of deny it to yourself for a while and then you come back to it, it's like it's like a long lost love, isn't it? You're like, oh, I remember how much I, I missed this. And I remember how much I loved it. So what was it that made you interested in trains in the first place? Was it things like Thomas the Tank Engine and Chuggington and stuff like that, which I remember watching with my children and loving as well? Yes, that is all all what it started. It started with Thomas the Tank Engine and Chuggington because that was the kids' programs that I watched. And then eventually I found Thomas and Friends toys. Like every every week my dad would take me to where he lived and usually I'd get one of the little Thomas the Tank Engine metal trains that I could put on my tracks. And then as I got a bit older, I got a slightly, I got an electric, a semi-electric kind of railway and I had that as well. And yeah, it just grew from that. When I first met you, it must have been, you must have been not long out of school, I'm guessing, because you must have been about a year out of school. It would have been six months, a year, maybe two years at most. That's right. And and you were, so you were about eight or nine, weren't you, I think? Yeah, right. And you knew so much about train travel, but not just trains. Liam does not just know about trains. Liam is like National Rail Inquiries in walking talking form I remember I sat with you on a park bench in Ledbury and we were talking about uh I think I mentioned something that I'd been on quite a nice train right I used to get the train from like Stevenage to somewhere and you were like oh right yes and then you started listing all the stops you knew all the times I mean it was astonishing I couldn't believe how much you knew about (laughs) train travel and timetabling and my question to you is do you think that you have just one of these kind of memories that is really good at remembering data? Or do you think, I mean, have you found that in other subjects, for example? Or is it something that because you love trains so much, you find it easy to remember this stuff that other people would literally not ever be able to remember? If I do find something easier to remember, or if I like it, I will remember it. So for example, in mass, if there's a subject like algebra, which I absolutely hate, I will really, really struggle to remember it. However, with trigonometry and 
geometry, I'm quite a bit better at remembering that because I actually enjoy it. And that's the same with trains. Like, if I try to remember anything football related, I don't like it, so I won't remember it. Like, I will remember basic things. Like, I know there's a World Cup and stuff. But, <laughs> and then if you compare that to trains, I can know every little detail about one station. I can just remember it because I like it rather than don't like it. <laughs> I think... In actual fact, I run a I run a big homeschooling Facebook group and we have people coming on and they say things like, oh, you know, I'm pulling my child out of school and I don't think they're going to remember anything or learn anything at home with me. And I always say, like, if if you can find out what they're really interested in, they will remember it without you even having to try. <laughs> they would just yeah. like, because my daughter, she loves Taylor Swift. Like, she actually loves lots of singers, but yeah. she really likes Taylor Swift. Yeah. Right as you know and um yeah. she can remember <laughs> she can remember all of the taylor swift lyrics like oh, back, yeah. like you know back to front like she can just hear the tiniest segment of a chord and she will know immediately what song it is now if i ask her times tables for example i mean it's there but it's slower and it was a bit of a slog and this is the difference isn't it between something that you love and are passionate about it's so much easier to remember the data built around it yeah so your love of trains burgeoned when you left school. So because yeah. you were able then to express yourself and in the home ed community, because the home ed community is full of children as well. Did you yeah. find any pushback there about your love of trains? No, because I've always found like there's definitely always been a few people along the way which have been like, mm, that's a strange thing. But they've never been, I suppose, they've never bullied me about it in the almost in the same way I was in school. So they're perhaps curious about it, but not mean about it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, definitely. And as you've got older, how has being home educated helped you, apart from the fact that it's taken this peer pressure off you and you don't feel that you have to yeah. love football, and God knows none of us want to pretend mm -hmm. to love that. Um, but So you don't feel that you have to love football anymore and you don't feel that you have to love Minecraft or whatever the current things are. I'm showing my age yeah. now probably is on my TikTok, all right? So you don't have to like show you, pretend you love those things, but what yeah. you're now free to love and be interested in trains, which is what you are. But how else do you think home education yeah. has allowed you to pursue that passion because you're not in school? Because I'm not in school, I can focus only on the GCSEs to be able to get a job one day in the railways because in school uh you'd have to do like science which I'm probably not going to do because I don't find science that interesting and it's just that extra stress that gets put on you which is unnecessary and not having that stress means you have so much time for other things so you're mm. able to kind of niche down is what you mean. So you're able yeah. to sort of say, okay, like I know what job I want. I want a job on the railways. And so yeah. because of that, I want to study these subjects because that's, that's, this is the entrance requirements that I need. And you're, and you're not, you don't yeah. feel forced to sit like a big broad range of subjects like they do in school. Yeah. Um, that, that's basically what I was saying. Yeah. Um, in the fact that you can just, I don't want to say sit back and relax because it is hard work still, but the fact that I'm, I know where I'm going and I know what I want to do to me is it's a big thing because then I can work towards it and always have a goal at the end of everything. I have those little goals working through 
for example, my GCSEs. But at the end, I know I'll get something big out of it. Do you find that helps you to be motivated to achieve the GCSEs as well, knowing the purpose behind them? It can do, yeah, because I know I'm doing my English my English GCSE, but I have to do it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to work as hard as I can to achieve what I want to achieve when I'm older. So at what point did you did you go from being really interested in trains and really loving trains to thinking this is the job that I want? And did you do research? Did you get some sort of sense of what it was that you wanted to do? I've always wanted to be a train driver, always since I was even little. I've just found it so fascinating. But then even when just going to stations and just watching the staff, watching the guards, it's it's interesting. There's so I think there's so much that people actually don't respect about trains, like the signalers, there's the customer service, there's even the people in the food outlets and the stations, and they all keep the railway moving, but they're always behind the scenes, so people don't know they're there. A lot of people just think they're a driver and a guard, and that's it. And that's all they think that goes into operating a train. But into just operating one train service, there's probably about 20 people that have made that happen. There's the timetable planners, there's obviously the driver guard, there's signalers, there's depot workers, there's cleaners, there's catering staff, there's the dispatcher at the station. Where did you work out that you were going to slot into this sort of train life? I actually don't know. It just it just grew there, actually. I, if I want to, I can work on the train. That's what I'm going to do. And then did you do any, did you sort of do any research to find out what you needed for the jobs or did you do any volunteering or anything like that? Well, um, I actually had a very, very extremely lucky opportunity when I was uh, it was about last October September so 2022 uh, I was on the train heading to my dad's as I usually do I do that every two weeks I travel about 170 to 200 miles on the train um, I have my ticket on my phone because it's so much easier and it's cheaper if you book it in advance so I needed a charger because my phone was running low uh, so I just asked the people around me because that's what I would do. I, I like just talking to people anyways. And the person sitting next to me, I was very lucky. Um, he works in the HR department for Great Western Railway in Swindon. So he's actually quite high up. And we were just talking. And I learned that he was home educated as well. When he nice. was younger. I know. And I was just saying how I love trains. And then he just, he wrote on the back of a ticket saying this is a permit to travel he does have a ticket and also wrote his email and phone number and he said if you get your mum to email me I should hopefully be able to arrange you some work experience somewhere or at least somewhere you can go for a few days lovely so then in on November 23rd and 24th of last year I went and did my work experience at Bristol Temple Meads station that's a big one right Mm, yeah very big it's a very major station with so many little branches and then you have the main lines that all diverge into Bristol usually um I spent two days there and I was the first person to do work experience since 2018 
But I think I was also one of the youngest who were experienced because usually you have to be 14 plus, but I managed to do it when I was 30 and that's quite lucky. But I spent time in the ticket offices, luggage and walking around the station, helping people off the trains. And, and then even I, I did it, I was under supervision of two station managers, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And the one who was with me in the afternoon, we were talking about like getting into the railways. And he was the first one to properly open me up to apprenticeships, which I should be able to apply to when I turn 16. So I need obviously at least maths and English. You need that for most jobs. But I've always known that I have to work harder being home educated because some, how do I explain it? Just because I'm home educated, I have to work harder for that on that job app with a list of things and obviously my work experience will be on there as well so another big thing but to show that I've done all my GCSEs and um, I can say I'm, I have an extensive, extensive train knowledge and yes they might look at that and say that could be helpful but if I just had that on my job application that wouldn't be enough so if they compare to someone who went to school and me they I need to show that even though I was home educated, I've worked so hard over the past five years or so to work towards getting the apprenticeship. I think the beauty of being home educated for you there is that you are able to show that you've had this consistent passion and interest in in their business. And you've also got the qualifications that you need. So the two of them for you kind of run along parallel tracks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Train analogy. Do you like it? Yeah, it's great. I love when people have that. It's amazing. Do people do lots of train analogies with you? Yes. Especially <laughs> my stepdad. It's... I can imagine. It's too tempting. I know. So, I know. <laughs> so you now know what you want to achieve. You know how you want to achieve it. And when it comes to applying, you're going to emphasize the fact that you self-studied through your GCSEs, that you were home educated, you have had this long-standing passion, but you also have the qualifications that you need to be an apprentice, right? And all the work experience. I mean, that's that's a yeah. wonderful opportunity. Are you planning to do any other work experience or anything else uh, sort of on the trains before you apply for the apprenticeship, which is two years away, I'm guessing, right? Uh, about two years, roughly. I've got no work experience planned, but still after COVID-19, a lot of operators have actually started their work experience because obviously they've got staff shortages as it is. Of course, if the railroad strikes, they're having to try keep on top of that. So. I don't know if Transport for Wales are doing one at the moment. I have looked into it, but I haven't found anything. So at the moment, I don't have any more plans for work experience. But I was talking to the person I did my work experience with in Bristol, and he said, there's no point doing it again with GWR because you will not get a better experience for what you got in those two days. Because I did stuff, which unfortunately I can't say due to policies and stuff. Which That's intriguing. Mm, it's nothing illegal or anything or just <laughs> just so people are aware <laughs> that work experience people would never do because it's not part of the work experience but it was suggested that I could try with transport for Wales and do it in Cardiff but yeah we'll just have to see how it goes because 
very busy doing lots of GCSEs. Well, that's it. Yeah, it gets to that. I think pursuing your interests works really well, sort of like key stage three kind of age. And then after that, it's really nice to channel your learning through them. But you do realistically, you do tend to get a bit qualification focused only from the age of about 14. So I have two last questions for you, Liam. The first question is, what do you think is the future for the railways? I think at the moment, it's very, it's very, there's no set course, because a lot of railways are starting, or a lot of operating companies, because you have TOCs, which are train operating companies, so they um, run under a sub-brand, they operate the track running rights and whatnot. A lot of them are starting to get taken over by the government because of poor operating standards. Like one that you most recently is Transpennine Express. They've lost their franchise to the government. So first group have lost it. But at the same time, Boris Johnson, when he was joyful prime minister, uh, created the Great British Railway plan to, I quote, improve the railways. But I, I was already preparing a letter of I'm sending this off because your plans are awful and it's annoying. Um, but our new Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, whoever his name is, has abolished that. So I think there will always be a future in public transport, whether it be levitating maglev, magnetic trains, or like the UK's railways are very, very slow at developing now. We used to, like, back in, like, up to like 1950, our railways absolutely soared. We just kept building, 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 and then we found out money, so that to be the beaching cuts of 1960s, 70s, that closed about two thirds of Britain's railways. And we're now only in the 2000s, slowly starting to rebuild what was shut. So there's always a future with what companies, is it all going to be government controlled? Is it should be rail strikes every two weeks? We just don't know that yet. Do you think there will be a role for train drivers in the future or will it all be automated? I think there will always be a role for train drivers because people don't like robots. And like, I know when... Not when you're they, hurtling 70 miles an hour on the train. Oh, yeah, because some of the trains will, like on Britain's Railways get to 140 miles. Only one okay. one tra- only one rail line does that at the moment, but you would not want that to be automatically controlled. <laughs> I wouldn't want that to be automatically controlled. I know the Victoria London line is is semi automatic, so there's a driver in the cab, but it is all automatic train operation. But you're a bit like, actually, that's not too bad because you, you're not going faster than like thirty forty because mm. you're in tunnels, so you couldn't. Yeah, I think trains will never become fully automated. Even if you look at other countries, long distance, fast regional services aren't even automated. Like in Japan, their bullet trains aren't automated. They always have a, a very well-trained driver because they would rather that. Do you think Japan is the sort of pin, like the pinnacle of train travel, or is there another country that you think has got it just right? In terms with Japan, they were the pinnacle of high-speed travel, definitely, but not in terms of railway travel. But for me, I 
I think the best example is actually the UK. And that's no not... way. Yeah. I am amazed that you it, said that. In terms of technology and stuff, I would now place that on either France, Germany, maybe Italy or Spain. But in terms of historic and actually building what we know now as public transport, I think the UK, the UK did that from developing different types of trains. Uh, we had some of the first electrified railways, which was a big step. So a first electrified railway was in like the 1860s, 1870s. Uh, a London Underground Line was built and it's the first electric railway. So we had that. But even if you look back to the first railway that wasn't horse powered, that was actually in Wales, that was in around Merthyr, um, Merthyr somewhere, a coal mining town to obviously get the coal in and out of the mines. There was there was lots and lots of different tracks everywhere. It was it was insane, really. But now, if you look at like South Wales and the valleys, you can see it might just shut because of the beaching cuts. But yeah, I think in terms of being a pinnacle, the UK started what we now know as train travel. Amazing. So my my final question to you is, if we've now worked out what the future of train travel is, so now I want to know what the future of Liam is. So how do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in like like 10 years and then 40 years? What What would be your Ooh. dream scenario when it comes to your job? Um. Oh, that's difficult. I never actually thought of this. Um, in 10 years' time, I'm definitely hoping to be working with Great Western Railway or whatever Great Western Railway might eventually turn into because they are my favourite company and will always be my favourite company because they're insanely good. So I'm hoping to have had my own house. I want to be able to, I suppose, self-sustainable almost in myself. I don't really know in 40 years' time. I don't know how my life will turn out, really. Let me work. How old will I be? I'll be 54. Oh, my God, I'll be 54. Um, I'm not taking that personally, dear. <laughs> I, I don't know, really. I think part of me may want to work in Germany for their railways because I think it's a, an insane rail network that they have there and it's very very modern but at the same time I've, I've just grown up in the UK or in Wales and it's just what I'm used to because I know a lot about German railways as well but definitely not as much as UK railways so I think I think I might still be here I might be in Germany I don't know. Well I like to think that you'll be in the UK kind of running our rail system and rejuvenating it and bringing it back to its glory days that that's that makes me happy to imagine because I feel like I feel like the rail industry is safe in your hands Liam <laughs> as like the young generation that loves it so much and so passionately and it's lovely also to hear about how home education has enabled you to feel psychologically able to love railways but also just given you the opportunities to do the work experience and just to spend your time focusing on that I think that's wonderful so thank you so much for joining me today Liam okay. it's been a pleasure talking yeah, to you lovely thank you so much bye thank you bye thank you so much for joining us for today's home education matters podcast see you at the next one have a lovely day bye